I'm so glad to be here with you today. Thank God for another opportunity to come and celebrate how good he's been to us. He's already manifested himself in this place today. I know you already feel his presence today. Thank God for him validating our gathering by being here with us. It matters. The Bible tells us that when we worship the Lord, we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. Which means you can't show up in ch church under false pretenses. You got to come worshiping or desiring. You know, help me, Lord. Does a multitude of things. I'm struggling right now, Lord, so help me. Yeah. I don't know what to do, Lord, so help me. Yeah. We ask Him to guide us in times when we are not aware of what we ought to do. Some people don't know him like that. Yeah. So we have to be demonstrative sometimes in our faith. It's one thing for you to know him. It's a completely different thing for you to show folk you know him. And I don't know that we often understand how important it is for you to model your faith walk. People are watching you. People are paying attention to you, and it doesn't have to be loud or big, but people can tell when you're sincere in your faith. And so it's okay every now and then when the song is playing for you to acknowledge, you know, as we say today, I feel you. It's okay. It's okay sometimes when the prayer is being prayed for you to say, ouch, you hit me, you got me, or you encouraged me. It's important. Truth matters. It's essential. It's hard for you to go through this walk of faith without understanding about God's truth. Because, Linda, it's God's truth that protects us and keeps us away from sin. When we don't understand what God's truth is, then we'll find ourselves walking into things that seem okay, but that are really not good for us. You often hear me say that there's a way unto man that seems right, but the end of that pathway is destruction. Yeah, and I world is full of opportunities to show you what you want to see but it more than likely is not what you need yeah. and when it's fun it's lively but it's not what you need and so today I don't know why the Lord has been on me the last couple of times that I've been here to preach 
in this vein, but he's on me again. and I've learned to be obedient. I think it's because sometimes the family needs to get together and have family talks. And that's why he says, Donnell, talk about this with the family. Yeah. And so, before I step into it, I want to thank God for a blessing that he's given in my life named Casanova Bristow. I appreciate him more than you could ever know, not just because he's so faithful, so friendly, <laughs> so silly. Oh, he good and silly. If you don't know that, you, you don't know him. <laughs> yeah, but, but he's also real. And I like that about Casanova. And we just jibe, as they say. That's one of them good 70s words. We just jibe. Not jibe. <laughs> All right. But I appreciate him stepping in last week and bringing the word and leading. Leading. And I thank God for him. And certainly thank Jessica for giving him the freedom. And I'm glad Jackson State wasn't having them last weekend. Because <laughs> it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Today I want to talk about um, a topic that I believe is going to enlighten us in an area that I think is top of mind right now. And I want you to understand that it's important that we appreciate what the Bible says about issues. Not what folks say, but what the Bible says. And so today is going to be, you need, if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, you probably need to pull it out because I'm going to be referencing scriptures. And if you're taking notes, then there's some notes that you need to take on this one. I'm just going to be, this is one of those. Yeah. <clears throat> so I want you, if you will, to follow along with me on this central thought, the truth about lying. The truth about lying. Okay? That's our topic today. The truth about lying. Several, several passages of Scripture, but if we have to have a central passage of, of Scripture, James chapter 1, verse 26, James chapter 1, verse 26, let me read that one for you although there could be many of them. But this one says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion 
is worthless. Then John chapter 8. Verse 44. Read. Jesus is talking. He says, and you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Talking about in Genesis. Not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. For he is a liar and the father of lies. And then the last one, we'll use this one. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9. Through 10, 9 and 10. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 reads, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. When I was um, in law school, there weren't very many African-Americans students in the law school. To give you an example, in the class that I started in 1985, the class had approximately 180 folk in it. I think 11 of us were black of the 180 folk. When we graduated, I think we graduated 140, and, and we graduated seven black that kind of attrition over three years, although really by the end of the first year that it completely changed. And so you start hearing all these stories when you get there, you're already intimidated just being there because it was not an environment that was comfortable. I think is the best way I could put it. I was always on edge when I was there because I didn't grow up around people who were in that space, who were in graduate school or law school like that. It was not something I could ever feel easy about. Um, so I'm always hearing things from different students. There were some students who had had fathers and mothers and brothers who had uh, graduated from there, and who had been around the school, and so they were naturally more comfortable. They had been around the school for a while, or they had been undergraduate at Alabama and, and had fraternity brothers or sorority sisters who were in school. And so it wasn't intimidating to them. It was just another school for them. But I came from, as you know, Tuskegee. So we're talking about a whole lot of mixed signals <laughs> coming from there. You know, I came in there with a dashik and an afro. <laughs> and, uh, 
And from that, here I am coming and learning to be, you know, probably the most conservative place on, on the campus. It was a, a learning experience. But one of the stories that permeated throughout the, the uh, student body, true or not, I believe it was, was that in the previous class, one of the students had been brought before the, the most serious body you could be brought before at the law school was a student-led council called the Honor Council. The Honor Council. And that don't sound real intimidating. <laughs> All right, but it was. It was. Because when we took exams, we only had exams one time a semester in law school. That's at the end of the semester. All right, so you go through whole semester, class, 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 16 weeks, and then they test you on what you learned that semester. All right, that was intimidating because you had that for every class. So you're talking about studying. It was, it was like drinking from a fire hose, learning all that information and then giving it back in the language that that's, that was my biggest barrier was talking to them in my writing the way they hear. All right, not that what I wrote might not have been right, but you have to write in the language that people understand. And they had a, a way they listened. And I know, you know, 30-something years later, the, one folk, the folk who did best in school, and I tell, I've told everybody since that I've learned that the ones who do best in schools like that, in law school, graduate schools, are the ones who learn the language of the school. And when you can give it back to them in that language, because if you have an all-Caucasian uh, uh, educational teaching faculty, they don't talk like us, <laughs> all right? They don't read like us. Their level of understanding is not ours, so I got to learn how to give it back to them the way they listen and understand. And that was the biggest barrier for me to get that understanding. Once I got it, things went uh, pretty good. But I struggled. I struggled because if, 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 if you don't know it, and we could transport you back to 1985 and let you spend two days at Tuskegee, and then go spend two days at the University of Alabama, you're going to hear some difference <laughs> in how we talk and how we communicated. In the classes, we might be taking the same classes. English 101 at Tuskegee is going to sound just a little bit different than the same thing at Alabama. And so when I come back, I'm, I'm learning how to write it for them. But anyway, because, because we only took one exam, honor was paramount. You could take your exam anywhere in the law school you wanted. You, you know, when they came in, you come into class, they pass out the examination papers or whatever. They give you a little exam booklets that you had to write in. You could go anywhere in school. They didn't care, because most of us studied in Carol's little cubicles around the school. You could take it back to your, to your cubicle and take it. Nobody care. Because there's no way you could sit there and go through your book and, and thumb through your book and figure out the answer to the questions. It just ain't gonna happen. I mean, if you don't understand the concepts and the precepts, then that's not gonna help you in the three hours that you got to take this test. Well, the rumor came out that one of the students had done something that was less than honorable in taking her test, just so happened to black. Um, and had been discovered by another student in doing that. Now, how that other student had time to be spying on somebody else, I don't know. But that was presented, 
And to make a long story short, she was put out of school. But she wasn't put out of school because she cheated, per se. She was put out of school because she went before, according to them, when she went before the honor court and was talking about it, testifying about it, she lied. And to them, lack of truth was worse than anything else that could have happened at the school. And so her career, her dream of being a lawyer and all that went by the by. They put her out. Their recommendation from the Honor Council is that she be expelled for violation of the Honor Code. She was expelled, and then the legend starts. All right, the legend starts. And when I say the legend, I mean after, you know, after she was put out, everybody started telling the story. Don't do such and such a, because they'll put you out of here. As if I wasn't scared enough, I ain't really understood what she did. <laughs> but I knew not to do what I didn't understand what she did. It just put on my mind that there was one, one concept in the school that was paramount, and that was telling the truth. Regardless of the circumstances or consequences, you come in, you tell the truth. You tell the truth and deal with the consequences of what the truth brings. That is very hard. But it's also, I should tell you this, the basis of our Christian belief system, that the truth is paramount. You don't know, you don't know anything about Jesus. He said, I am the way, the, and the life. All right? So Jesus has as part of his identity the truth. The truth. There's no way you can be successful in this Christian walk if you don't embrace the concepts of telling the truth. That's not just in church. That's in your life. You have to understand the truth about lying. All right? God's truth is designed to keep us from sin. Sin is the ultimate thing that harms us. Sin and sinful activity. Sin keeps us from having a full life. Sin keeps us from having real love, from having lasting joy. Sin keeps us from having peace. The reason we don't identify Sin as the culprit is because in our daily walk, we have embraced activities that are by nature sinful. And we make them part of how we are. I'm not looking for amens today. All right, I'm teaching. We do things that are wrong all the time. All the time. Lying means deception in speech, primarily. Although it's, and it's one of the seven abominations to God. 
that God says in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, we'll get into that a little bit deeper, that lying is an abomination to God. He hates it. He detests it. Makes him sick. But lying is the most common sin among Christians. Number one on the list. It's the most common sin. And the reason it's the most common sin is because Christians mostly don't take lying seriously. We lie for different reasons. All right? Sometimes we lie for fun. According to the Bible, every form of lying is an absolute sin. All right? Lying is the most prevalent moral problem we face. Lying. Think about it. Popular culture, politics. Think about it. On a daily basis, lying affects how we think and deal with circumstances. Lying affects private relationships, families, social lives, business practices, entertainment, music, etc. There are companies that put items into the commerce stream that they know from the beginning may bring harm to people. They've been told, we put out the first 100,000 widgets, but in that 100,000 widgets, eight people got hurt. But they've made so much money on those widgets that they determined that if we put out a million, such a small number of people might get hurt that we'll just deal with those when they come to us, if they come to us. They already know that what they put out is harmful. And yet they come before the public lying. They sell it to you as if it's okay. They are lying to you. But they have used some kind of calculation to justify continuing doing what they're doing. And the whole calculation is based on money. How much money they will make. Not your safety. Not your health but money. It's based on a lie, and they still putting commercials out telling you to buy it. The whole commercial is a lie. And yet we run out, it's a gotta have, I gotta have that. I gotta go get me one of them. Yeah, and we spend good, hard-earned money to go get something that ultimately may harm us, and it's all based on life. Now think about that. That's one item. Now infuse that in your whole life. And think about how many things are a part of our, of our walk when people are being untruthful to us. Everywhere. At school, the grocery store, 
even at church. Even at church, we have to be mindful that what we're saying, how we're walking, how we're, we're dealing with people is the truth. Lying is, I'm going to use this word, and I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's uh, uh, too much of an exaggeration to say lying is at epidemic proportions. All right? Epidemic. 91% of Americans lie regularly. According to the book, The Day America Told the Truth by James Patterson and Peter Kim, 91% of Americans lie regularly. 63% of men and 52% of women have lied to protect themselves. 40% of them said they lied on a job application. I didn't break that down into believers and non-believers because I guarantee you Christians are not immune from temptation. If getting that job means you got to leave such and such off your application, then yeah, leaving it off is the same as just lying. Somebody know what I'm talking about. That, that don't mean you did it. I mean, you just said, see, be careful saying amen on this one. What is lying? What's the definition of lying? All right. Lying is a conscious or intentional falsehood. A conscious or intentional falsehood. To deceive or attempt to deceive people. So let me give it to you a little bit. A lie is a false statement deliberately presented as being the truth. It's a false statement deliberately presented as being true. Something meant to deceive or give a wrong impression. If I want to break it down just a little bit further, whatever is not what it professes to be is a lie. All right? Whatever is not what it professes to be is a lie. So let's look more specific. What, what are lies according to scripture? Giving folk false impressions. Giving people false impressions. Those impressions are created to deceive folk. That's, that's a, according to scripture, that's a lie. All right? And they're hard to detect. Because we couch them in self-righteousness. All right? Self-righteousness is, an attempt, to, is a t an attempt to impress upon someone that you are righteous, which is different from living righteously. Yeah. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is a form of lying. Honoring and following in your walk the precepts and the doctrines of men as opposed to scripture. In other words, you'll push aside what the Bible says for what folk do. And you'll make that the path that you have to follow. They're subtle. Subtle, but they're lies. Because when you start talking about lies, centimeters, millimeters make a difference. It's all, there are no degrees in lies. A lie is a lie. A small lie 
or let me say this, a half lie is a, I mean, a half lie is a falsehood. It's, it's still a lie. You can't tell half the truth because you're still telling the whole lie. That's just how it is. Anybody who walks around now, if I say this right now, you'll all agree, everybody has sinned. Everybody has sinned. And yet there are people who claim that they haven't done anything and challenge you to tell them otherwise or show otherwise. There are some people who don't live like they know him but declare that they know him. I know him. But your whole life says differently. You don't act like you know him. According to 1 John 2, verses 3 and 4, this is what the definition according to the Bible is of knowing him. It's a hard definition. It says, and hereby we, we, those externally, do know that we know him. All right? This is how we present proof. If we keep his commandments, then we show proof that we know the Lord. And so he that said, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, the writer is very hard in his writing. He says, is a liar, and the truth ain't in him. And the truth is not in him. If you say you love him, and you do not keep his commandments, then you're not telling the truth. All right? And so, Understanding what the truth is requires self-examination. Inspect yourself and your activities. And so what is it about lying that creates such a problem in heaven according to the Bible? Well, first of all, the Bible says that lying is an abomination. It's an abomination. All right? This is what the Bible says, that there are six things that the Lord hates. All right? Six things the Lord hates, according to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, and seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. A lying tongue is listed there. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. These are the things that the Lord hates. And lying shows up two times on the list. So in the Hebrew Bible, to understand how the writer was approaching this, abomination is rendered as a ceremonial uncleanness. In other words, if I have become unclean, I cannot present myself in the Old Testament to the Lord. So people who were other than Jews were, by definition, considered unclean. Anybody who was uncircumcised, circumcision at that time, according to the Old Testament, was a symbol of purity. Since Genesis, being circumcised identified you as being ceremonially clean before the Lord. Before they went into battle, they had never been circumcised. They presented themselves circumcised and to go into the battle clean or before the Lord. 
Jews were considered unclean and aliens among God's people. Likewise, lies, lies actually affect our relationship with God. When we lie, it makes us uncircumcised spiritually. All right? And so we become ceremonially unfit to be with the Lord when we are lying. It brings us to a state where we cannot call ourselves children of God anymore because we are not ceremonially appropriate to be in God's presence. And so lying draws us away from the Lord. It's ironic that we will come into this place sometimes and present a false narrative of who we are to a, attempt to show people how good and righteous we are, but in so doing, we are actually pulling further away from the Lord just because we're not being truthful. Can I, can I step out of this for a second? Do we know that church is for broken people? Church is for toe-up people. Church is for folks striving to do better. You can come in here a truthful drunk, and it's appropriate, as opposed to hiding and struggling with those vices that you have and pretending that you don't have them and acting like everything is great. You do better just to let the world know you're struggling. Because that's what church is for. This is a hospital. If everybody got themselves together before they went into the emergency room at UAB, what you need UAB for? I'm so tired of people trying to act like they got everything together. When you don't. And it's not till it's all the way broke down that people start understanding, oh, you've been struggling for a minute. It's not new just because we've been talking about that people have mental health issues in church. Church causes mental health issues. This self-righteousness that we bring in here, where you think you got to prove to everybody everything's okay, who can live like that forever? And you're trying to prove it to folk who broke too. It's all lies. What a wonderful service we might be if everybody dropped their lies outside the door and came in and just worshipped him in the spirit of brokenness that they have. I wonder what the Lord could do for us if we came in here toe up from the flow up one day as opposed to trying to prove to everybody that everything in my life is perfect. It just doesn't work like that, nor should it be that way. A song shouldn't be what lifts you from the feeling of despair. The notion that he died for you alone ought to be enough to get you out of the space that you find yourself. 
you set yourself in. We trying to impress folk who ain't never liked us. And convince them that my whole life all right. My whole life, every aspect of my life is good. And we know that ain't the case. It's simply not that way. Lying is an abomination to God. Not only that, it's inappropriate. Colossians 3, 9, 10 says, don't lie to each other because you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of, of the creator. This is what lying is like. Lying is inappropriate because your old self is the liar. You go get saved, and, and so when you get saved, you take your old self off. All right? Because anybody who's in Christ is a... Yes. But when you lie, you actually go put your old self back on. This is after you become a new creature in Christ, you put your old you back on. That's like having an old suit over here. You go get cleaned up, and instead of putting on a new suit, you go put the old suit back on and go out and try to live. That's just not how... It should be. Look, 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 I saw T yesterday. Me and T showed up at the West End reunion in Wiggins Park yesterday. I graduated from West End 41 years ago. 41 years ago. Yeah. It's a shame if I show up yesterday, 41 years later, the same thing I was 41 years ago. What a disgusting tribute to God if in 41 years he ain't done nothing for me. He hadn't made me better. And yet I saw person after person trying to act like they were the same thing they were 40 years ago at West End. Trying to make folk think they look the same. Yet the most common question was, you know who I am? No. Because it's 40 years later. And we all look different. 40 years later, it's two of me now. Both of us, Andre. Why in the world do we try so hard to try to be what we're not? Be the new you in Christ. Let people come love you for what Christ has done in your life what he's made you into. It's inappropriate to keep trying to wear yesterday today. It's inappropriate. It's disgusting. It's disrespectful to God to try to make them think you are what you aren't. Lying is also the devil's native language. All right? It's his family heritage. Lying is his family heritage. You ever, you know them families, we got them in the community. Everybody in the family can sing. 
It don't even the babies come out singing. You don't even know how. I, I'm amazed, you know. Oh yeah, that's them. That's them whatevers, you know, the singers. <laughs> that's the singer family. Mama can sing. They got their own quartet. They on every program at every church. Everybody can sing. Even the brother that don't want to sing. <sighs> Mad because they got, we got to go to church. Yeah, but he can sing. He can just stand up and sing. And then you got families where all of them barbers. <laughs> Whole family. I ain't just talking about the Etheridge brothers either. I can put about six more names on that list where everybody in the family is a barber. Now, some of that stuff can be learned. Some of them, all of them work on cars. All right? Well, just like it is in the secular world, so too is it in the spiritual world. The devil's family has its stuff that it does. And one of the things that's consistent in the devil's family is every single one of them are liars. They all lie. It's part of their family DNA. They're liars because he is the father of lies. And to keep his kingdom built, to keep the illusion that he's in charge up, it has to be by lies. And so when you fall into that trap of trying to be the illusion master, you're falling right into family heritage with that. The better thing for you to do is to show everybody I've had my good days. I've had some hills to climb. I've had my weary days and some sleepless nights. But when I look around and I think things over, all of my good days outweigh my bad days. And, and I ain't going to lie. And I ain't going to complain. All right? I'm not going to lie. Because God's been good to me. It's his family heritage to lie. When you find yourself not recognizing yourself because of what you've been putting out there, when you find yourself looking in the mirror and don't know who you are because you've been giving them something that you aren't, when you come in, and I ain't just talking about taking off makeup. That's not what I'm talking about. All right, I'm talking about taking off the lie that you make up. When you come in in the evening, when you take that off, and this is men or women, when you come in in the evening and you take off all the lie that you've been telling everybody in the streets and you don't even recognize yourself, then you need to check your relationship with the Lord. Lying also brings judgment. Lying brings judgment. Revelation 21 and 8 says clearly that the, quiet, the coward, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. It's in Revelation. God told John to write that one of the last things that God is going to do is judge those who lie. They will be consigned, that means put in, put in to the fiery furnace of burning sulfur. In other words, liars go to hell. My second grade teacher told me that, scared me so bad. Miss Conrad, I still remember her name. She about this tall. 
And she said it one day, liars go to hell. I didn't understand what she was saying. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. I was grown, preaching, pastoring. So I ran across this scripture and said, that's what Ms. Conrad was talking about right now, but she didn't give me no context. All right, she just told me, she said one day, because see, when, I, when we were in school back in that day, you could do everything. You pledge allegiance. You could read the Bible in class. You could have a Bible study in the classroom. Yeah, and she came in there quoting scripture on us, and she said it out of context. I think she was mad at somebody because somebody had said something to her that wasn't the truth, and she just belted out, liars go to hell. I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> oh, help me. I didn't know where to put that in my life. I was scared to leave class. I mean, not, not that I was lying. Liars go to hell. Miss Conrad, I'm calling the Board of Education on you because wasn't none of that back in the day. You just went, you just whipped. But it's the truth. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that liars will be placed in hell, in hell's fire. Now, I know that's a big thought, but the good thing about that is you can repent and you can deal with the statements that are the, the illusion that you present that's false. You can change all that. Yeah. In lying, we choose to belong with the enemy's family. We, when we do that, we choose to belong. Some people say they have to lie. You don't. Some people say that some of their conduct in life makes them liars. It's not true. I've had a consistent statement to people, and for the last 25 plus years, I've been dealing with people who have drug problems and alcohol abuse problems. <clears throat> All my life, I've been dealing with alcohol abuse problems, uh, literally. And so I've listened to people, and I've said to them consistently, having a substance abuse problem does not mean you have to lie. Those two things do not go together. All right, you can be strung out on drugs and still tell the truth. The reason you lie tells me you still understand the consequences of your behavior and what you're involved in, which also tells me that there's some room for us to make a change. If you still feel like you got a lot of me, then you know that I can do something for you or to you. So now let's decide what we want to do. Do we want a consequence or do we want help? That becomes the issue, but we're not going to have it with you lying to me. That's not the kind of relationship we're going to establish that you lie to me all the time and I'm good with it. That's a conversation, that's a conversation that people in your life who constantly lie to you, you need to confront them with the truth. All right? You need to share with them the truth in your life. You don't need to tolerate people who lie all the time. That don't need to be part of the regular conversation. That doesn't need to be part of how you deal with people. Because you know, if people lie to you all the time, you can't trust them with anything. And so even if it's bad, tell the truth. Even if I don't like it, tell the truth. 
even if I might walk away or leave or not like you right now, tell the truth. Because at least from the truth, I can make an authentic decision. Don't lie and play on my emotions. Have me hopeful. Have me expecting that you're going to be one way when you never in your mind meant to change. That's what a lie is, and that's what we're telling God. Every time we say, Lord, I'm sorry, and we're not, he knows it. He understands it, and you wonder why you can't get no blessings from the Lord, because you're lying. You never intended to change. And if anybody knows that, he being omniscient, he knows it. He knows it. And so we only keep lying because we're afraid to avoid responsibility. Oh, there, there are reasons why we lie. We're afraid. Fear. We fear what somebody can do. We, we avoid responsibility, so we lie. All right? Sometimes we maliciously lie to hurt somebody. We flat out just tell them something that ain't true. Yeah, I've seen people get on a witness stand and lie against the truth. Because the truth will make them look different. The truth will make them look some kind of way. And so they'll lie. Because they don't want to be embarrassed in front of someone. The truth might make them look weak. And they tell an obvious lie. It's obvious. What? <laughs> make me look up and write a note. They... That's clearly a lie. <laughs> but they say that because... I would rather have this lie leave out of here with these folk in my neighborhood for them to, than for them to think, oh, did you call the police on this young man? No. Well, it's saying in the police report. <laughs> you called the police, but they would rather, no, I didn't call, I don't know who it was. <laughs> Wasn't me. Well, they don't want to come up out of that courtroom that they snitched. <laughs> That they call the police on somebody, so I'm going, I'm lying. I don't care what you got on that paper, I ain't called the police. Okay. People lie. People lie. All right? People also lie to gain an advantage, to get ahead of somebody, gain, to gain something, respect, whatever they think. A spiritual gain. They think it's going to get them higher. I don't know how. But the outcome of all liars is this, y'all. God warns us not to lie. He tells us, don't lie. He tells us lying is an abomination. He tells us lying is disgusting to him. He also tells us he will punish all liars. And if you set the foundation of your relationship with the Lord on a lie, then you get the reward that comes from lying. And that is the consequence that God has promised. Because he's not a liar. He's not a liar. And so he said what he is going to do. Expect that. Believe that. Believe that that's the consequence unless you turn your life around and repent and ask the Lord to forgive you. And then as hard as it is, as hard as it is, you move forward in the truth. As hard as it might seem, y'all, the Bible tells us that a single lie, one, one lie, all right, can have such a negative impact. 
on our walk with God. But just like one single lie can have a negative impact on our walk with God, so too can the truth. The truth can straighten all that out. Asking the Lord to forgive us can right the ship that's been wrong. It doesn't matter if all your life you have found it necessary to hide where you're from, not talk about your family. Doesn't matter if you've had reason in your mind to not be truthful about what you've gone through. All you have to do to straighten it out is ask the Lord to forgive you. That's what he died for. He died for circumstances just like that. And everybody at some point in time, no matter what they say, no matter how nice and kind they are, every one of us have at some point told an untruth. We have. The good news is that God can forgive us. And he will forgive us if he comes, if we come to him fully confessing what we have done. The question is, do you have the courage? Do you have the strength to lay aside all of that weight, that's what the Bible says, that doth so easily beset us? Do you have the strength to do that? I know, I know that there have been a lot of discussions publicly recently about people not telling the truth. I came to talk to the family of Christ and let you know that God does not like that. It's abhorrent to him. And we must, we must embrace the truth at all times, even when it comes with big consequences. We have to embrace the truth. We have to teach our children that telling the truth matters all the time. We have to tell our children, you can be in all the trouble you can ever get in, but if you tell the truth, I'm going to be with you. You can tell them, I'll walk as far as I have to walk and can walk with you, but tell the truth. I'm telling you right now, it's hard sometimes to do so but it's absolutely necessary. It's essential that we set that as a standard moving forward. And I know for a fact that the truth came to us. I know for a fact that the truth died for us. I know for a fact that the truth was resurrected for us. And so if you embrace the truth, my Bible tells me that the truth will set you free. It'll set you free. He will set you free. The truth is not a word. The truth is a person. And his name is Jesus. Jesus the Christ. He'll set you free from everything that has bound you in this life. Won't you give your life to him? Won't you accept the gift of eternity that he has given you through his death? I came to tell you the truth today. His name is Jesus. God bless you. I'm inviting you, if you've never accepted him personally, today's the day. Today's the day. Now's your opportunity. Sit down at the altar. Down at the altar. Baptism.
transfer, membership, whatever is your situation. Today is the day. Don't hesitate. Don't turn away. Don't turn away. This is your day. Right now.